I'm going to preach a very simple message tonight. I, I wasn't even sure how, if I should write too many things because it's more of what my heart is prompting me. I want to talk about courage to follow God's will for my life. I can in my life, I'm talking about where, not your life. Courage to follow God's will for your life. The theme of the conference is courage. In Matthew 12, reading from verse 46 in the New Living Translation, it says, and as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. The centrality of doing God's will is at the very core of how God works. One of the things that I think we are going to lose out in our age and our time is that people who are so self-willed, so self-conscious, that they will not submit their will to anyone else or to God himself for that matter. For us to be here 35 years later, it's all because of an attempt we've all tried as a team to follow God's will. I cannot say that we have followed it to the full. I cannot claim that we have scored 10 out of 10, maybe 6 out of 10. But I know that in following God's will, that is really the key to moving on in your life, to succeeding in your life. Tonight, I want to share this from the depth of my heart to everyone here under the sound of my voice and those who are streaming from different places and other parts of the world. We need to put the will of God at the center of our lives. In everything we do, we must be asking ourselves, is this the will of God for my life? And when you have discovered what God's will is, the next question to ask is, am I fulfilling God's will in my life? That verse we've read in the complete Jewish Bible, it said as he was speaking to the crowd, when his mother and brothers appeared outside asking to talk to him, but to the one who was informed, who was informed him, he replied, who's my mother, who are my brothers? Pointing to them, he said, look here, my brother and my sister. Now note verse 50. He said, whoever does what my father in heaven wants, that person is my brother, my sister, and my mother. We must do what God wants. In all areas of our life, we must do what God wants. But you know, we're living in a time in the world where we have become so humanistic that man has become a God to himself. That it's almost like, if it feels good to me, if I want to do it, who are you to tell me I can do it? And so that's the way the world is going. That the human being has become the number one determiner of right and wrong. And so when you are trying to do things according to God's will sometimes, it's almost like you are swimming upstream. You're going to get into conflict with many things in your life. But Jesus says, if you were to call yourself my brother or my sister, I cannot call you that if you don't do the will of my father. In one translation, it reads, the Wiss translation, says, while you are still speaking to the cross, behold, his mother, his brethren, were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said, they are looking for you. He said, who's my mother, who's my brothers? And having stretched out his hand towards those who are his people, he says, behold my mother, my brethren, for he who is of such a nature that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. We need to have a nature 
that does the will of God. We should allow God to work in our lives and take away our self-will. God's not going to break you and make you to be a nobody, but God wants you to submit your will as a matter of choice into his hands. Look at your neighbors not saying amen and say, well, anyhow... If you follow God's will in your life, things will turn out a million times better. I wonder if we would be standing here 35 years later if we didn't try to follow God's will. And that's the question I'm always asking people in our church as we lead. Because sometimes as we lead with people, they seem to forget this is not about us. This is about God. And this is about the will of God. We really have no time to be pampering anybody. We have no time to be babysitting anybody. This is not about us. This is about God and God's will. And God's will alone. And whatever we have to do to follow God's will, we will do it. And whoever wants to stay behind, let them stay behind. But we will do God's will. Hallelujah. Romans 12 Verse 1 and 2 in the NIV Bible, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good will. His pleasing will and his perfect will. We want to perform God's perfect will. And in performing God's perfect will, we need to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice. We've got to understand if we're going to follow God's will, we have to think in line with the way God thinks. And we cannot allow ourselves to conform to the patterns of this world. But we need to be transformed and, and transfigured. Which means when we do God's will, we will always be rubbing against the world. You'll always be prioritizing what others are not prioritizing. You'll always be desiring what others are not desiring. And am I talking to people in the house here? You've got to understand, young people, that if you're going to follow God's will, you may lose some friends. Yeah. We may lose some friends. And that's a dedication and consecration you have to make. You may lose certain favors. You may not be liked. But we need to follow God's will because we are not conforming to the pattern of the world. I said we are not conforming to the pattern of the world. I said we are not conforming to the pattern of the world. That's why we are here tonight. We are here during this conference to receive the word of God because we want to be more and more like Jesus. Do we have people in the house who say I want to be more like Jesus? So the question is, how does God communicate to us what his will is? How do I know what God's will is? Number one, through his word. God's word is the first that we go to to reveal God's will. So if you don't have a relationship with God's word, you'll never know what God's will is. Listen to this person. If it's in the Bible, and whatever the Bible says, it settles it. There's no question, there's no argument, there's no negotiation. That's what the word says. God's will. We've got to put God's word as number one in our lives. We've got to use God's word as a filter of everything that we do. You've got to use God's word as the, as the glasses through which we look at life. God's word. God's word shows us what is God's will. Number two. The second way God communicates to us his will is through the inward witness. Or the voice of our born again spirit. Or the voice of our conscience. See, when you get born again, something incredible happens. In the Old Testament... Through the prophets, God spoke about what was going to happen in the New Testament. And he uses these words. The days are coming 
When I will take out the heart of stone and I'll give them the heart of flesh. Then it says, I will write my laws in their hearts. No man will teach his brother to know the Lord. For I will, I will walk in them. I will be in them. I will be their God. See, the day you got born again, something incredible happened on the inside. God changed you and made you a new person and gave you a different heart, made you a new creature, recreated you and put his spirit on the inside of you. And it is the spirit on the inside of God that immediately something comes your way that violates God's word. There's something on the inside that begins to talk to you. Yeah. And so if something is bothering you as a Christian in your heart and you're not sure, Stay away. Look at the name that says, stay away. Yeah. Yeah. If they're getting you to do something and you're not comfortable about it, they're bringing things to you to sign and you're not comfortable about it. They are starting to send you text messages and they are saying certain things and you're not comfortable about it. They are touching you in a way and you're not comfortable about it. They are looking you in a way and are also comfortable about it. They are coercing you to do something when are also comfortable now. You know, as a young Christian, it was, it was a, a, a difficult thing, you know, because if, when, 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 you, when you're a young Christian, people who have been Christians for a long time, you use them like kind of as your, 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 your teachers. You know, you, you look up to them. And then when they start chichirizing, it's, 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 it's kind of difficult. You know, because these people are your mentors. And I remember that happened to me after I was a Christian. You know, I became a Christian in 1978. Someone who was, a, who was, you know, a youth like us started doing stuff. You know, they loved these jokes, thin and lady four-letter words. How many of you know the jokes, 34 four-letter words? If you don't know it, ask the person sitting next to you, what's a four-letter word joke? Do you know what a four-letter word joke is? You know, it is these jokes that go below the belt. We won't explain more than that. I mean, we're in church. And he would laugh. And in the first time he cracked that joke, he laughed and I laughed. But even if I was laughing, something inside the air went and went. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. But the conflict I have is, this person must have been a Christian longer than me. Listen, if it bothers you, if it bothers you, if it bothers you, just stay away. Don't ever violate your conscience. Man, 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 man. Let's explain to you. You see, our conscience goes through different stages. Continuous violation of the conscience numbs it out. Almost like drinking hot tea. When you were a child, you didn't use to drink hot things because it would burn your mouth, your tongue, because you are still young, innocent, and tender. But over the years, you, you continued drinking it, even if it was burning you. You kept on drinking, drinking, drinking until you got used to being burned. So when you're drinking and you're not feeling anything, it's not because it's not burning you, it's because you have become accustomed and acclimatized. You have adjusted your tolerance level. Some of your tolerance level is easy. You can go sleep with somebody and come to church, raise your hand, you don't feel anything. Yeah. Have sex with someone who's not your husband, not your wife, with a blesser, or a blessy, and don't feel anything. You can lie and cheat, not feel anything. Oh, yeah. Look at somebody say, What's well, I'm an Ubuaka when or what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's even harder for us as, 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 as leaders, as, as pastors and leaders. Uh, I was with, we were with uh, 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 Bishop Chalo, my bishop in Aiko, France, and we were talking about someone that we knew years ago, a very known minister, and I'm not going to go into names, 
And, and then he said, oh, you don't know. He said, that person, the, his, the end of his life wasn't so great. I said, what? I mean, he said, no, this guy was already starting to promote Ntoyao sleeping around. Yeah. You know, you see, the, you see the problem of the anointing kuhuri. Everything comes alive when you are anointed. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. You, you want me to explain more than that? You see, you see, the, the, the thing is, when you are, when the, we see the anointing makes everything work. Exceeding abundantly above. Everything works. So even as an old man, he didn't need any additives. No medication. Everything was working super abundantly above. So, he would sleep around. And, and Bishop Charles says this man started even telling people in his, he said he would do, he got to a point where he was just doing it openly. Yeah, and telling other people, no, no, no. How, how, how would God give me all this desire and I don't express it? What a shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it becomes difficult when you see somebody who's used of God do that. When you're a young Christian and you look up to them and they're doing that without flinching. Marawena, kamo, something is bothering you. Listen to that voice. Keep yourself tender. David says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Yeah. You'll know God's will in your heart. Very often, people know what, when they're doing something wrong. They don't need a sermon of hellfire and brimstone. If you are really born again, I'm being honest with you, if you are really born again, see some of your problem, you are not born again. You are just a churchgoer. I'm telling you. That's why you can do what you do and not feel anything. That's why. Yeah. The Bible says, he that is born of God sins not. And what it means is not that they don't make any mistakes. But it's saying the nature of God in you will not lead you to sin. So even when we sin as a Christian, it's not because your spirit wants to sin. It's because what buys our chichiris. And even after you sin, it's not nice when you are sinning. You are sinning, come on, come on. And even after you have sinned, you're not, you don't feel nice. So if you sin and you don't feel anything, I think tonight, I think tonight is your night. Maybe you just filled out our form in our church and did 101 and, and, and discipleship. There's no way you can be born again without something happening on the inside of you. No way. No way. Once you become born again, you stop doing, I mean, I mean, uh, who is this guy that Jesus went to? Zacchaeus. He was a crooked guy, cheat everything. When Jesus went to his house, just a minute, just when Jesus came in, he just said, repent. He says, Jesus, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I will take it back. If I've done anything, uh, you don't need a sermon. Yeah. The third way God speaks to us is through the promptings and the leadings and the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Basalana, do not ever Overlook the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit may not necessarily speak in words or in sentences, but he will give you a discomfort. Sometimes when you are sleeping at night, you'll have dreams that what you're doing is going to lead you to trouble. Or sometimes you'll feel like he's grieved on the inside. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about conversations. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth and grieve not the Holy Spirit. You know, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, you can feel that the Holy Spirit inside is not nice. It's not nice. It's not nice. Years ago, I remember, I was engaged in conversation where we were taking somebody apart. Hey! Scannering. You know, so we were talking. And you know, I was talking and, I, and everything I said was true. Mara, in here. The more I talked, the more mungo I became on the inside. <laughs> and I was feeling, and I remember when I went to bed, I will never forget, when I went to bed, my mind was, it was almost like the conversation kept going on in my mind. 
when I slept, it's like that night I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping, Mara. I was talking in my sleep with that conversation. When I woke up, I wasn't rested. I wasn't at peace. And everything I said was true. And then I remember when I went to pray and God said, you don't talk like that as a child of God. Bitterness, anger, strife, backbiting, saying things about people. If there's anything, you and I, we must have words that are filled with love. And the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sin. I see some of you, see, you are not saying amen because you know that that's just how you talk. Yeah. That's how you talk. And what happens? It grieves the Holy Spirit. So what happens? The Holy Spirit cannot be fully active in your life. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. He, he, he just gets grieved and he pulls away. So even when you pray, you, you're no longer sensing the anointing like you used to. Even the gifts of the Spirit in your life are no longer working. You used to get into prayer and you'd go into groanings in the Holy Spirit. It's not happening anymore. And you don't know what to do, so you're trying to manufacture it by being emotional. But wahuta is just a lot of noise. There's no substance. Because the Holy Spirit is grieved. See, the Holy Spirit will show you, even if you don't know a verse. He'll show you. He'll show you what not to do. And you know what I like about the Holy Spirit? He doesn't only talk to you about your actions. He even talks to you about your thought life. Hi, you don't like my sermon tonight. He'll talk to you about your thought life. Don't think like that. Don't plan like that. You know, sometimes we, 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 there's a side to us that needs to be the flesh in us. Sometimes you, 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 you want to say something to somebody and you know when you are saying it that you are manipulating them. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just confessing my sins. You know when you are saying, you know why you are saying that. You know you are going to, you are going to say things to put them in one corner so that there's only one possible answer. You already know. So even when you are saying it, you already know where you are going with it. You're setting them up. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to do that. You know, we as preachers, sometimes when you preach, you really want to exaggerate. I tell you. If, so, if God got healed somebody through you, my goodness. You better Kenya in quality in everything, you know. You see, but the Holy Spirit won't allow that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at somebody say, it's God's word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, here are questions that we need to ask ourselves to establish what the will of God is for our life. Number one, what does God's word say? Ask yourself that question. Question number two, am I truly seeking God's kingdom first? Am I truly seeking God's kingdom first. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Number three. Are you there? Can I go to number three? Have I asked wisdom from God? Have I asked wisdom from God? James 1.5-7 talks about if we lack wisdom, we must ask from God. And here's another one. Number four. Did I pursue or receive wise and godly counsel? Sometimes it's good to go to mature Christian people who are godly to ask for advice when you are not sure. Yeah. When you are not sure. You want to make this decision? You are not at peace inside? You are not sure? Go for counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen. In the multitude of counsel, there, there is safety. Now, which areas in our life, therefore, do we need to follow God's will? Which areas do we need to look at to make sure that we're in the will of God? Now, let me make a, not a disclaimer, but let me say this ahead of time. When I'm talking about following God's will, I'm very much aware that there are certain things in our lives where God trusts us to use our brain and use our discretion in determining what to do. For instance, your dress code today. You don't have to check that in the Bible at all. You know, I, I think I need to explain these things. Your hairstyle. Look at somebody's hairstyle. I say, yeah, your hairstyle. Whether it's cheese cop or Brazilian hair or a 
Look at their hair. Whether they have hair or they don't have hair, just tell them your scalp. Shandai. Ha. So I, I want to I clarify that. There's things where, you know, let's not go to the extreme. I remember when we were at Rema, 1991 when I was at school at Rema, there's a guy, you know, we used to watch DVDs. I don't know if I saw the DVD or we had a story. No, and we used to watch, no, it wasn't DVDs, it was a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then we were told about this. Either I saw a videotape or we were told about this guy, but it was a true story. A guy in Rema, Tulsa, Oklahoma, who came to class one morning with a yellow suit. A yellow, 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 yellow suit. I think if I remember well, Red shoes, yeah, white hat, Aksa Opola, the shirt and the tie. He was glowing for Jesus. I mean, he... <laughs> so, 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 you know, you, I, I mean, he was standing out in the crowd. I mean, he, I mean, he was glowing in the dark. So, so, so the lecturer wanted to know, Munda, hey, Munda, who decided to open all this, what's the story? He said, when I woke up this morning, the Holy Spirit told me. <laughs> Look at that name and say, So I, I just want to say it up front. There are things that you don't have to, I mean, God leaves it to your discretion. Okay? God's not going to tell you what car to buy, what car to drive, what size of house to live in. God's not going to say anything to you about that. So, so let's clarify that. He's not going to tell you what diet to eat. You know, he expects you to... you understand what I mean? But there's other areas. When it has to do with my vocation, the career I follow, the calling I follow, the choice of partner I marry, all those things. I have to ascertain God's will. See, when it has to do with the destiny of my life, those are the areas I'm talking about. And these are the things where we need to talk about it. So, which areas do we need to follow God's will? Number one, in our moral life. In our moral life. God's word is our standard. If God says don't fornicate, don't fornicate. Simple. If God's word says don't lie, don't lie. If God says let your yes be yes and your no be no, just, just do that. We shouldn't be arguing with church members about about We, 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 we shouldn't. We, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. But you know, let me start where I started. We're living in a time today where people are challenging biblical moral standards. Oh, yeah. And if you preach like I'm preaching, they don't say amen like some of you. In fact, they feel that you're old-fashioned. And that's the spirit of the world today. Where the world is saying certain things are disappearing. I was listening to one radio program. And they were so emphatic, these young people on this radio station, this talk radio, that marriage is disappearing. So I mean, it's the end thing in the world today. It's the end thing. It's the end thing. It's the end thing. Even Prince, Prince Mangon yet recently. Merkel, It's a true story, so that I won't be, I won't be, I, I, I won't be sued for that, I would like. Oh, let's make it Prince Mankeri. Yeah. I mean, even if we all starry eyed watching the wedding, I don't want to be alone. But to banana already. Never saw a pillar as Bunna Lemusad. They traveled and went to Kenya. I never saw Mabali too. They went together on a holiday. Labana the Tutsi, Labana the Spirit. You can you see, you see, you see, you see, you see now? This is what I'm talking about. You know what's happening in the world? Let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you. These type of things, subtly, in a subtle way, they are redefining morality for us. In a subtle way. Yeah. Yeah, because Prince Henry, these things, what do they do? They, they heighten our tolerance level. So, or they normalize. You know that? You see, the world normalizes. Today, when you watch a television, there are things that television normalizes. You no longer, you no longer ask for it. It's no longer, no, no. We see it today. Even Christian celebrities today, but no, never like our fellow for four years, we've decided to get married. 
Ah, you are not here. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. Now, watch this, watch this. It's one thing when we didn't know Christ. It's one thing when we did all those things before knowing Christ. It's a different story. When we come to Christ, we come with our what and all, our issues and all, and God will accept us and God will forgive us. But it's a shame when we know better. It's a shame when we know better. I wish you knew how many people we have to fight with in this church. Fight with them because they are forcing us. Now, as a young pastor, I, I, it was so difficult for me. I never forget, you know, I always remember this story. I never will forget this. This incident, I'll remember it as long as I live. I was counseling this people. This is many, many years ago. So you won't even know what I'm talking about, who I'm talking about. Many years ago. Oh, our church was still very young then. So I was a young pastor. I was single even at the time. So you won't even know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it even makes it worse. I was counseling this couple, and this young girl, Beautiful lady, good spirit, very committed lady, you know. And then she came with this guy, the one who married. And I could tell this guy's not a Christian. And I said to her, but look, biblically you should marry somebody who's a Christian. Thank you for the few amens that are here and there. Biblically, you should marry somebody who's a Christian. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to preach. I'm not going to talk. Say whatever you want to say. I'm just going to teach. It's up to you. Call me old-fashioned. Call me what, what. It's fine. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll meet after 40 years. And show you more. What happens when you follow God's will in your life. Yeah. And after counseling them, and I, and I talked to this lady, I said, this mutowa wa apolos. Hamarayena Now, let me tell you. If, if they had a child together before they knew Christ, it would be a different story. I would, never, I would never separate them. I think it would be unfair to the child. If they knew each other then before they got saved, whatever happened, they want to marry fight. But these people, how? I said, this guy. He said, no, he's a nice guy. I counseled them a second time. Third time, when I asked this guy, you know when somebody who's not saved tries to be religious on you? Let's go deeper. <laughs> so finally, I called her mom. I said, Mama, I'm not comfortable. This man's not a Christian. And I don't know why. And your, your, your child knew better. Can you, can you interpret to the person sitting next to you who doesn't understand? I'll accept Basalana. I came under pressure. Very much against my will, against my conscience, against what I wished. Then we had the wedding day. We were still at some building somewhere. So, so I remember that day. Here we are. Wedding day comes. And those days we used to do weddings after the prayer, the Saturday prayer. So there would be a nice crowd from the prayer people. <laughs> so, so the bride arrived. You know, usually we wait for the bride. No, that day the bride arrived. And the groom hadn't arrived yet. And she was looking so beautiful, this girl. Yeah, she's a gown, weekends and makeup, and she's there. Mara, we can't move. I mean, the brother is not there. So we waited and waited and waited, 30 minutes, one hour. Yeah. One and a half hour. Finally he came. Finally. And you know the process, ne? You know the process there? When people enter the church, it's usually the groom who must enter first. When he went, when he came out of the car. I tell you, I, 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 so Rabina, Rabina, I don't remember what song we sang, these African songs, you know, 
You know, step something. Kia sa shape na kodi. Finally, he came and stood in the front. And then Makoti had to come in. That lady cried from the time this guy stepped out of the car. <laughs> she, 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 cried, she cried all the way, marching down. She cried right through the sermon, right through the verse. Is when I said, <laughs> I now pronounce you husband. <laughs> I tell you, I've never heard somebody cry like that. <laughs> By this time, Bazalana, the mascara and the makeup is a mess. I mean, she's got lines. The dress is dead. It was, I've never, I've never, I've never felt so sorry. I couldn't laugh. My heart was breaking. I'm, I'm laughing now many years later. But it was not laughing matter. It was serious. Watch this. She knew all along it was wrong. The Spirit of God inside of her. She knew that God's word says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. She knew. Yeah. She knew. Yeah, oh, come on, give the Lord a hand. I know you don't like me now. Give the Lord a hand. Yeah, yeah. You all along. How many people violate God's word with eyes open? And you know, Mazanana, let me tell you, when you obey God, it doesn't cost you anything. It pays. I'm telling you. I don't ever remember any time where I have ever disobeyed God where things worked out well for me. Even if I wanted them to work out well. Sometimes we think we can do this and get away with it. We never do. We never do. If it doesn't happen that week, the following month, the following year, sometimes many years later, catches up with you. Oh, yeah. Make the right choices in your moral life. Number two, let God's will direct you in your future careers. In who to marry, as I've mentioned. Number three, so, follow God's will in your moral life. Follow God's will in your future career, in who to marry, and so on. Number three, watch this, Pastor. Even when you don't feel like it, follow God's will. Let's tell the truth, Pastor. It's hard to forgive people who always zing zong you. I know that's not good English, my brother, but I feel like saying zing zong. It's hard not to be bitter with people when they have chosen to inflict pain on you. It's, all, it's Jesus said, not turn the other cheek. Jesus, I'm afraid before I can turn the cheek. It's very difficult. But this is what I always tell people when they have been in difficulties and challenges. This is what I say. This is what I say. Follow righteousness. I'm glad Bishop Freddy was going to be teaching and preaching in the, on the program and so on. But I think when I think about several things we've shared together and sometime in his life when he was going through some difficult challenges, when people choose to bring you down, you help people, they turn on you and they make you the enemy and pull you before the law to take everything away from you. I remember he asked me, he said, Musa, what must I do? I said, follow righteousness. I knew that was a hard, I knew that was a difficult advice. And I'm glad my friend took the advice. And I'm glad I'm here as a witness to tell you how God has turned things around for him. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. I see God turning things around for you because you are going to go on the side of righteousness. Yeah. 
Years ago, we started a church in Midrand. People don't know. Years ago, we started a church in Midrand. Years ago. So I'm saying it because you won't know. So only a few people will know. Next thing, when we went to the church, we find the person that we had placed there to help us in the church, all of a sudden told us that the Holy Spirit told them to change the name of the church. Yeah. They had already had meetings with people, influenced some people, take the church away. We had bought certain things, we were renting a certain venue, and all of that. Now that's hard to turn the other cheek. It's very hard. And I remember as I was in the presence of God, God said, leave it. I said, how do you move? And we'll pray for healing afterwards. God said, leave it. So we walked away from it. Left everything there. Sound system, money, building, everything. Left it, walked away. Yeah, I'm telling you. Walked away. Every time I'm in our church in Midrand today, which started in Sunning Hill, I always remember that story. In fact, I still remember the building. We, when I go to our church, I pass that building every time. It's in the same region, and I remember a few years ago, over here, I had to walk away from it all. But Alana, listen to me. When you do it God's way, you give God a chance to vindicate you. Now, oh, come on, that's a place to shout and give the Lord glory. Vengeance belongs to God, not to you. Not to you. There are times when the Holy Spirit will tell you to do certain things that don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And Judas came and, and hugged him on the one side and almost stabbed him with a dagger behind. Jesus called him friend. How do you call somebody a friend? When you know he's going to betray you and you're going to be nailed to the cross. How do you call them a friend? Because love always wins. Ah, you didn't hear that. I said love always wins. God's way always works. Even when you don't feel good. Even if you don't feel good about waking up to pray in the morning, wake up and pray. Number four, follow God's will because it means taking the hard and tough decisions of the narrow road. Jesus says, narrow is the way that leads to life. And not many go by that road. Follow the narrow road. It's a difficult road. The road of the will of God. Number five. I've got five more minutes. When it seems like God is delaying, still follow. There are times when you have done everything in God's word. You've done everything that God told you to do. You've prayed about it. You know God has told you, but there's no fruit. And if truth was to be told, the, 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 the quicker route would be the wrong route. When we were building this building and we were looking for a, we were looking for, 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 for a loan near five million, Murtifan is here. He knows about that story. Somebody offered me they could get a loan organized for us with another bank if we were to bribe. Yeah. 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 Said no fan lookulum. So no. You must talk. I said, I'm talking. You know, I really played dumb. I, I understood what he said because I wanted him to say it. I wanted him to say it, bribe. He said, no, 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 man. You must, you see, you must uh, incentivize them. Kara how? He said, you know. You know. Kara Juang. Do you mean I must bribe them? No, not that. No, not a bribe, but you know, something. <laughs> has anybody told you something? Anybody has ever told you something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this person says to me, this was a Christian, by the way. This was a Christian business person, by the way. And then he says, I've organized these type of loans for many other churches. Yeah. He said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. He said, in that case, you will never get a loan. I said, in that case, you don't know the God that I'm serving. 
Mazalan, go for the road that is less traveled. Jesus said it's a hard road. He said it's a difficult road. In Ameva. But you know, is the road that finally leads to life. Let it rather take you longer to get your goal. And when you celebrate, you celebrate with a clean conscience. Than to be like Saul, you, you, you go and achieve something. And when you come before the prophet, you say, I've done everything. And the prophet says, I can see what you've done. Mara, what are these sheep that are bleating in my ears? Take the longer route. The God root, the root of God's will. Number five, when it seems like, number six, when it seems like God has forgotten about you, follow God's will. Job, after he suffered, his suffering took so long that his friends said to him, why don't you curse God and die? Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes it's like, God's forgotten about me. You know? And I've, I've, I've spoken to people who say, I'm living right, I'm doing everything right, I'm praying, I'm doing this, but things are not working for me. But when I look at the other people, everything's working for them, but not for me. It's not working for me. What must I do? I look at them and say, I don't know what you must do. All I know is God's way, God's will will be the greatest benefit in the final analysis. Imagine Job losing his children, losing his flock, losing his house, losing his health. And yet the Bible says he was a righteous man. He prayed every day. He got before God. He sacrificed for his children. Even God in heaven gave a report and said, there's no man like this man. His man is upright. He's perfect before me. But then he loses everything. That's why we're not serving God for the goods. Let's serve him whether we have a car or we don't have a car. Let's serve him whether we have food or out. Come on, am I preaching to people in this house? Let's choose the road even if it's taking long. Somebody said, what if I don't get married? It's fine. Let me rather be a single person with a clear conscience than sighting. Can I hear an amen in the house? I'd rather have a small church instead of stealing other people's members. But I have a small church with a clean conscience. I'd rather drive a small car than lie and cheat to try and buy something bigger. Live with a clean conscience and a clear conscience. And know that there's peace. Peace in your heart. Peace in your heart. I said, peace in your heart. Peace in your heart. Peace in your heart. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how long it takes. The will of God will always happen. Here is Jesus going to the cross. He knows when he gets to that cross, he's going to be crucified. And the way to that cross was a difficult road of disappointment. Those that he used to pray for, those that he used to heal, those that he used to explain parables to, they, they walked away from him and they said, we don't know him. The one who said, if they, if they get you, I will never ever. And Jesus says, you'll deny me when I, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. He had denied him. And Jesus walks this lonely road. He knows that the will of God is for him to go to the cross. But he knows that the road to the cross is a road of death. It's a road where he's going to lose blood. It's a road where he's going to be separated from God. It's a road where everything is going to walk away from him. But Jesus, even when he walked to the cross, he didn't just think about the cross. He thought about you. He thought about me. He thought about us. He thought about the joy that was set before him. And here Jesus goes to the cross to fulfill the will of God. He goes to the cross to fulfill the will of God. And he hangs on the cross. And the Father forsakes him. And his blood gets out of him. And he yields his goat. He dies on the cross. And even as he dies on the cross, he says, Father, in your hands, I commend my spirit. 
and he dies and his spirit goes to hell. And for three days and three nights, he's in the region of the damned, right where, where the devil is and all his gods. But because he has done the will of God, God will never forget about you when you have done the will of God. Because he has played by the book, he has done everything. God is not going to let anybody who has done his will just stay down there. On the third day, God stands up in heaven and said, it's time for me. It's time for me to bring justice. It's time for me to right all the wrongs. It's time for me to roar again. It's time for me to bring my son to life again. And right there, God begins to send the Holy Spirit who goes all the way from heaven, all the way down, down in the region of the damned. And right in the region of the damned, he, he raises Jesus and gives him life. And Jesus rises up in hell. And the Bible says, and having been given life by God, he destroyed principalities and powers and made an open show over them. Let me tell you, it may seem like you are losing at that time, but time is coming when victory is going to be yours because of the will of God. You're going to rise by the power of God in doing God's will. Do we have people in the house that say, I'm going to rise by the power of God. And here we are today. Thousands of years later we stand because of our Lord Jesus who fulfilled the will of God. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his cause. And when you do God's will in your life, not only will you benefit, but your children and your children's children and the generations that follow. And many years from now, we will hear about you. We will talk about you because you're a man and a woman who stood on the will of God. Let's make our decision as we start this conference. We're going to have the courage to live our lives by the will of God. We're not going to let our lives deteriorate into something that we don't know. But God's will is number one. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Raise your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost, please.